Ready to start your own business? Have a small business already? Or maybe you have a great idea for a business, but just don't know where to begin. Get a practical nuts and bolts business education in just 15 minutes. Check out the $100 MBA show, a best of Apple podcast winner with over 2 million downloads per month. It's where business school dropout and successful independent entrepreneur Omar Zinhom shares real world lessons on starting, growing, and scaling your own business. On the $100 MBA show, Omar shares what he's learned over years of entrepreneurship, including building his own SaaS company from the ground up with zero outside funding. From book reviews to special guests to listener Q&A and more, The $100 MBA Show offers lessons you can put to use right away. Whether you're an established entrepreneur, a side hustler, or just someone with a business idea, Subscribe to the $100 MBA show on your favorite podcast app right now. That's $100 MBA show on your podcast app or 100mba.net. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is an expert in podcasting, personal branding, and AI. He is a speaker and the author of the new book, Under the Red Hat. Welcome to the show, Red Hat Larry Roberts. What's happening, man? Thanks for having me this morning. I'm so excited to have you. We've been talking about doing this for forever. and then, But I think the timing has worked out because you just came out with a book, which I do want to touch on in a little bit. But So I know the story about how the Red Hat came to be, but yeah. I would love it if you shared it with my audience as well. Yeah, cool, man. Like you've emphasized, that's what I'm known for is the Red Hat. You, you'll never, ever really see me with the red hat. And we'll talk more about that as to why. But it all came about a couple of years ago. I was doing a talk at the Amelie Arena in Tampa, Florida. And I came off stage and a good friend of mine, Alex Sanfilippo, who owns Podmatch, whenever each of us do a talk, we tend to give each other a hard time after the fact, you know, just kind of rib each other and joke around a little bit. And this particular talk, I had worn a hat that was a Supreme hat. And if you're not familiar with Supreme, it's a lifestyle brand. Everything that they have, it's red. And then in big, bold, white letters, it just says Supreme across it. So when I came off stage, Alex, we went through the regular thing. And he goes, but seriously, dude, why are you wearing that Supreme hat? And I was like, well, well, dude, you know, I'm kind of old and I'm trying to relate to a younger audience. I thought if I wore the Supreme hat, I'd be kind of cool. And he goes, okay, I I, I dig that and, and understand that. He goes, but why are you wearing their merch? He goes, are they sponsoring you? I said, bro, I'm a middle-aged white male. A Supreme don't even want me wearing their stuff, much less sponsoring me. So he goes, well, if you're not making any money from wearing it, why, why, why put it on stage? He goes, you need to be wearing your own merch on stage. You need to wear your own brand when you're out in public. And man, that just made so much sense to me that as soon as that conference was over, I flew back home. I took that pretty high dollar Supreme hat. They, they loved themselves some Supreme. And I tossed it to the side and I jumped on Amazon and I bought a, at the time they were like six bucks. I bought a $6 unbranded, just like the hat that I'm wearing right now and started wearing that. And man, it was insane how much of an impact it had almost immediately. People started recognizing me as the red hat guy. People started recognizing me as the podcast guy that wears the red hat. And even today, a, a lot of people still don't know my name. 
But when they go, oh, he's the guy with the red hat, they go, oh, that dude. Yeah, I've talked to that guy. So here we are just a little over two years later. And now the red hat has become everything that I do. My company is Red Hat Media. As you mentioned, I just wrote the book under the red hat, strategies to stand out in a crowded marketplace. And it's all about leveraging a personal brand and everything that's underneath that. So there tends to be some confusion around, you know, the red hat, that's your brand, but what does it mean? Well, that's the problem with a lot of people in their personal brands is they establish an identifier, but nobody knows what the heck that means. And that's why I called my book under the red hat because the personal brand, it's the service that I provide and the way that I provide it. So that's the whole purpose of the book. And that's the story of where the red hat came from. Yeah, I love that. And Alex Sanfilippo, he's a mutual friend. And have you given him any kind of commission or since it was his idea to go with just the red hat and now that's like become a whole thing. It's like, I'll tell you, I, I, haven't, I haven't given him a, a monetary commission, <laughs> but I'm sure he's gained some clients over the years because of it. Cause I, I never tell the story without mentioning Alex and Podmatch. So he definitely gets attribution and he gets all the credit in the world for being the one that brought it to my attention that the red hat was very effective, but why well, have a red hat with somebody else's brand? So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you just wrote a book, which I have here. Yeah. That's it. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was hoping to ha have gotten through it all before the interview, but uh, I'm on chapter six. So, okay. Close um, enough. There's <laughs> only 12. You're halfway there. Yeah. Halfway there. Well, <laughs> isn't that a song? We're halfway there. Uh, yes. Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you're old enough to know that song. So props there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, my ex-husband, he listened to classic rock and like stuff from the 60s, 70s. Please don't, please, please, no, so let's just back that. Please don't, don't refer to Bon Jovi the classic rock. Oh, please. Well, I was thinking good about myself, but now when, I, when you're calling Bon Jovi classic rock, oh, I, I'm going to need more beard dye. Well, I mean, I don't know if it fits in that category, but that, okay. Oh, I, I'm sure it is now, man. You know, what was that? It probably came out, I'm going to guess it was 88. It was, it was probably oh, about the year. So from our perspective now, sure, it's probably considered, ooh, it just hurts to even say it. It's probably considered classic rock. Yeah. And I think I'm actually tearing up a little bit. Because <laughs> when I think classic rock, I think Led Zeppelin. You right. know, I think, I, think, I think Three Dog Night. I think all those cats back in the, back in the 60s and 70s. You know, I think Pete Floyd. That's classic rock for, I guess, my generation. We're older than we think we are. So one of the things you talk about in your book is about creating a brand statement. Can you give us what that even means, first of all, and what kind of goes into crafting? Yeah, it, it comes down to kind of what I was saying a minute ago, in that everything under the red hat is, is the statement that my brand is making. It's the message that I'm trying to deliver through my brand. It's the brand value, your USP, your unique selling proposition. You know, what is the statement that you're trying to make? What are your goals? What are your visions? Where are you trying to take this brand? And in doing that, how do you leverage that particular brand or that mission or that vision? How do you leverage that in the service of your client? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I know like you had a few different brands before Red Hat Media. Yeah. And they just never clicked, I guess, or popped off or whatever the cool kids are saying these days. But now it's like Red Hat everywhere. So when someone is trying to figure out how to brand themselves or how they could be recognized in public, do you recommend it shouldn't always be maybe a clothing item of some sort? Sometimes I either wear like the two-tone blazers or like 
well, now I start to wear these bomber jackets or whatever they're called. But yeah. do you recommend having some sort of outward appearance? Well, I, I think you need to wear your merch. I think you need to wear your brand, most definitely. Does it need to be a hat or does it need to be a blazer? Does it need to be a clothing item? doesn't necessarily need to be that by any stretch of the imagination, but it needs to be authentic. It needs to be a representation of you. And I think that's what made the red hat so easy for me because I've worn hats all my life. I hate not wearing a hat. Even when I had glorious, luscious locks, I still put on a hat over those luscious locks. So the hat thing was just me. And so it was very easy to go from just rocking that Supreme hat an attempt to be cool to putting on a different hat and still wearing it the exact same way still has to be a flat bill hat still has to be tilted about five degrees to the left so it can't be straight on for me because this is how i wear my hats this is how i've always worn my hat so it came very very naturally to me now i will counter that real quick because well red's not even really my favorite color it just happened to be the color of the supreme hat. i'm a blue kind of guy you know if i was to choose would be the blue hat guy but for some reason it just doesn't have the same flow as the red hat i don't know why but again at the same time the supreme hat and that was something else that alex said that i kind of left out of the story there because he goes man i love the fact that it's a red hat because i'm six foot three i'm about 240 so i'm i'm tall i'm loud and i already kind of stand out in a crowd but when i have this red hat on my head it's like a beacon it's like a lighthouse, right? So people can really pick it out in a crowd and it really just pops off. So that was really how I ended up wearing red. It was purely by accident. But overall, the concept was super, super natural. You know, I don't hate red. I don't look at it and go, oh gosh, I dread putting on this red. No, I mean, red's fine. But it's just not my, my personal favorite jam. But that's what we have to stick with is that authenticity. So we have to find something that resonates with us that will allow us to deliver our message to our potential clients or to our audience. And this message that I have here, it's funny because there's a big production company and actually a PR company here in Dallas, and it's called Real News PR. And it's owned by a gentleman by the name of Jeff Crilly. He was a newscaster here in the Dallas Port with Metroplex. He was on Fox 4 for decades. So he's super refined, super professional, and his offices and his studio is just, it's just next level. It's insane. And I was invited to be on his show. So what did I do? I did my hair up as best I could. I put on a starch shirt. I put on a, over, a jacket. I, can't, I don't even know what the hell they're called. Overcoat. I put on a jacket, blazer, and some, some khakis. And I got all dolled up. And I went to do my interview at his studio. And we're sitting there in his very professional-looking news desk set because he has several sets in his studio. And there I am in this blazer, and I'm trying to have this very stiff and rigid and professional conversation about podcasts. I look at, I'm like, who is that kid? You look like an idiot <laughs> because I wasn't me. Now, Jeff and I belong to some of the same networking organizations and we do go to a lot of the same events. And this is me. I don't care where I go. I don't care who else is in the room. I don't care what the environment is. And some people will, will counter this. They'll go, well, you got to dress for the occasion. This is the occasion because my brand is the occasion, I'm the occasion. And that sounds like an arrogant statement, but it's a comfort statement and it's a confidence statement. And it's the statement that we need to latch on to for our brand. So even if I go to these big wig networking meetings here in Dallas, I'm still wearing this exact same type setup that I have on right now. 
but it's branded. This one just doesn't happen to be branded because I literally ran to the cleaners before the show to drop off my embroidered merch. But typically, these tops are embroidered with the Red Hat Media logo. And I will have the Red Hat and I'll have on my Jordans because that's just how I like to roll. That's me. That's how I present myself authentically in every environment. And for me personally, it works. You're the main character. <laughs> and character, I think, is a, I think that's a good characterization. I think that's the perfect yeah. term because, yeah, I mean, in a sense, I am a, a character, but I've always, I mean, going back to even middle school, I was a character. I was always the, the class clown or the kid acted up. I went to the principal's office more than I went to class. It just, it was just something that it was just me. So now that I have this opportunity and I've established this, and it's kind of a logo more so than mm -hmm. a brand with the red hat. But again, the brand is everything that I bring forth and leverage in the service of my audience and my clients, but it just works. And it works because it's authentically me. And I am able to be confident in the way that I present myself because I'm comfortable in these clothes. I'm comfortable mm -hmm. in my presentation. Whereas when I have on a starch shirt and a blazer, hell, I don't even know what to call it. As you saw just a minute ago, man, I just feel, I feel ridiculous. It does, doesn't work for me. So that's what we have to do. And that's how you have to find that red hat. If it's an article of clothing, great. Rock that article of clothing and rock it with the confidence that you need in order to give that brand value to the audience that you're engaging with. But if it's not, that's fine too. Maybe it's a service that you provide. Maybe it's something that you do regularly. I know somebody, his name's Jeff Savage. He's here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He just wrote a book about resilience. And I, Jeff happens to hear this. I apologize, Jeff. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. But he runs marathons. And he's known as the marathon guy. So he, everybody knows him for running because he does like extreme marathons and runs like three in a row and just does really stupid stuff. But, but he loves it. And that's his brand. <laughs> and he probably looks at my red hat and goes, that's not my jam. And that's the point that I want to make here is that I'm never going to be a David Goggins kind of guy where I'm out there running multiple hardcore marathons. But Jeff's probably not going to rock a red hat either because Jeff does wear the start shirt and the blazer and even the tie. He's always dressed, as we used to say, to the nines. You know, he looks like he stepped out of GQ magazine. That's his brand. That's his vibe. And he's known for running the marathons. That's what he's known for. So it doesn't have to be an article of clothing, but it's something that people know you for. And that's your brand. Find that, embrace it, and then use it to your advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you say you always wear the red hat, but there was that one time at the airport when Sarah Losey, your co-host of yes. your podcast, Branded, she would say, subtle plug, when she was picking you up from the airport and you weren't wearing it, you were wearing a white hat Yeah, to not be, I guess, recognized or... Well, here's something. the thing, man. We, we flew into L.A. and the red hat in L.A. may convey a totally different message. Being a podcast guy, I didn't want to get into some mm. political potential misconceptions or misunderstandings. So I wore a, just a white ball cap. But again, reinforcing the fact that, what? I always wear hats. So I had on a white ball cap this time. And actually, I was waiting on her to get to luggage, to pick up her luggage. And we were going to share an Uber to the, to the hotel. Mm. And she literally walked by me twice because she did not recognize me because I'm sitting there with a white ball cap on. And I just watched her walk by. And then she walked by again. <laughs> and then she came back by and I went, hey. And she's like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see the impact that it has. So how come you didn't stop her the first time? Well, I just thought it was weird because I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking right at her and she's not recognizing me. She's looking and looking and I just thought it was funny. 
And mm -hmm. I wanted to see if she would see me because, again, the red hat literally over the last probably two weeks, maybe at the most, I've had multiple people have conversations with me and where they were talking to other people in the podcast industry. And they, they would ask them, you know, Larry Roberts. And they'd be like, oh, I don't know who that cat is. And they're like, well, he wear, he's, he's the guy that wears the red hat. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, I know that dude. Yeah, I've talked to him. I've seen him here. I've seen him there. I've talked. Yeah, that dude. So it just reinforces that they may not know my name, but they know me because of the red hat. Yeah, her not recognizing you is kind of like a case study, maybe. Or no, oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's the right word, but kind of an example of how important it is for your brand. So your book, now I know you are doing some sessions coming up about writing a book with the help of AI yeah. in like a week's time. Can you explain that process? Because I imagine a lot of people wonder, and I think you kind of touched on this at some point. I don't know if it was in the book or somewhere else, but about how there's a lot of confusion as to whether or not you can publish a book under with AI and it be like not copyrighted or whatever. So what, right. yeah, can you tell us that process? Yeah, sure. You know, what happened was that got me even started and inspired to write the book was I flew out to San Diego to do a talk for entrepreneurs organization. And I was going out there to talk about generative AI using tools like ChatGPT and MidJourney and some other tools to create content and how we could leverage that content in our businesses. And the talk went extremely well. I think I was on stage for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, just answering questions and engaging with the audience. And it was just really cool. And after the talk, there was a happy hour. And I was mingling with all the guests and all, all this. And they would come up and they go, dude, great talk. Thank you. Love to buy your book. And I just, I'm just standing there because, well. You're like, what book? I, yeah, I didn't have a book. So I'm like, oh my gosh. I really got exposed. And this was just like last late August, early September. I don't remember exactly what the date was, but it wasn't too long ago, just a couple months ago. And so I got back home and I was like, man, I can never be exposed like that again. I have to have a book when I show up to these events. So I thought, well, I'm the AI guy. Let's see what AI can do. And I started playing with it and started working with ChatGPT. And I've gotten to where ChatGPT sounds a whole lot like me because there's certain things you can do using custom instructions and a variety of prompts to really get ChatGPT to resonate in your own voice. And I had done that. And with that, I decided that I wanted to write the book under the red hat because I wanted to talk about branding, but I also wanted to do it as an exercise in demonstrating the power of AI. So with a few prompts, I finally got to where I had me a nice outline for the book. I had 12 chapters that were outlined. And from that point, I just needed to build out the content a little bit. So within about four to six hours, I had the vast majority of the book written. And then I went back in chapter by chapter and my own little anecdotes and my own words and my own stories, because while ChatGPT is amazing, it doesn't really understand context. It doesn't have any human emotion or feeling. So we have to go back in and tweak and change things just a little bit, right? So I did that. So in about a day and a half, after I got everything, all the kinks worked out in about a day and a half, I had the whole book. It was essentially done. I'm going to talk about that at PodFest. I don't know when this episode's coming out, but I'm actually doing that talk at PodFest. And it's really my most popular talk right now, how to write your book and publish it in a week. And you can literally using ChatGPT and, and maybe some Dolly 3 to do some image work for you. You can actually write the book and have author copies, proof copies in hand, literally in a week. 
Because after you write the book, it's pretty straightforward. If you want to publish it, just self-publish. I mean, you're, you're not going to find a publisher and get your book back in this amount of time. This is definitely a self-publish approach. But using a tool, I used a tool called Atticus to format mm -hmm. the book. So once I wrote the book, I like to write it in Google Docs. I'm just, Google Docs are just so flexible that I love working over there. But I wrote everything in a Google Doc. I would copy it from ChatGPT, put it into a Google Doc, structure it and format it and everything. And then I would put that into Atticus to understand the trim size of the book or the size, actually the, the physical size of the book so I could understand my page count. Because once I have my page count, now I can actually start designing my cover. Because now I have the dimensions of my book and I can, I can design the front and the back and the spine, which are three elements that you have to have to get the book printed. And you could do that using Dolly 3 right there within ChatGPT, or you could do it in Canva, or you can do it in Photoshop. I mean, there's all sorts of places that you can do it. And you can actually get the template directly from KDP, so which is Amazon's publishing network. So if you go to kdp.amazon.com, you can find a template there. You put in the dimensions of your book, the page number of your book, and it will draw a customized template that you can then use those dimensions to design your cover. So slap your cover together in whatever platform you're the most comfortable with. Now you've got a book, you got a cover, all you do is publish it, upload it to KDP. They look at it. Now here's, here's the kicker, because you were talking about AI. They ask, did you use AI to help you in any way? Did you use AI to design your cover? All you got to do is say yes. That's it. It's super simple. Mm. They ask, and now they, they do ask, did you use it for content creation? Did you use it for image generation? Did you use it with considerable edits or you just printing directly from AI application? And considering that I did make considerable edits, considering considerable, I don't know if we should say those two words back to back, but I did make considerable edits to the output from ChatGPT, again, with my own stories and my own anecdotes and takes on things. So I said that, yes, I used AI. I had considerable edits and... I uploaded it and within, I don't know, 48 hours, it was approved. And next thing you know, it's published. So uh, I think a lot of people, and I've, I've actually talked to some publishers because I'm in the process of trying to team with, collaborate with a couple of, of publishers in using this methodology for clients that really want to book really, really quick. And it's a service that I already provide, but I felt like if I got with some publishers, it might be an opportunity for some growth for both parties. So, but they're a little more resistant than I am to publishing with AI because they were telling me that books aren't getting published. And well, I'm here to tell you that they are. I mean, you, you have a copy in your hand and I have a yeah. copy in my hand and I have a whole box of them on the floor. So oh, it, 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 I think it really just boils down to, you have to be honest, you have to disclose it. But at the same time, people still are gonna go, Larry, did you really write it? Or did you just output something from ChatGPT? And in order to counter that, I made sure that if you open the book right here, I think it's the second page even, right after the dedication, I've got a multi-page disclaimer in the book that tells you, hey, this was written with AI, uh, and here's why. So I, I did it for a couple of different reasons. One, I needed a book and I needed it quick. But two, I wanted to demonstrate the power of AI and what you could do and how quickly you could do it. And... and to demonstrate that not only could you do it to write a book, but you could do it to continue to build your personal brand. I use it for, for writing content calendars for my clients. I mean, you can use ChatGPT or Claude, which I love Claude as well, to put together an entire content calendar for a month. Mm -hmm. And then all you have to do is put it out. It's super, super straightforward and super simple. So using these types of tools, man, it just streamlines our process and allows people to act like they have a whole production staff. 
in the same amount of time. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, and Sarah, I know you, you could relate to this, we struggle sometimes finding the time to do everything that we need to do to get our message and our brand out there because there's so much. You know, there's 18 different podcast platforms. There's 22 different social media platforms. And I'm just throwing numbers out. I'm, I'm exaggerating numbers there. But that's how it feels sometimes. And it's very difficult to be able to keep up with all that, much less craft content, much less curate our prior content, much less present that to all of our audience. There's just so much. But using these AI tools really streamlines that process and allows us to do more actually with a whole lot less. Yeah. So are you required to put a disclaimer in oh. if you use AI? Okay, that's just no, something you That's just something do. that I chose to do because, again, I, I'm not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. I don't want them to think that I'm putting my book out there like I'm the next big-time author. I'm a, not Seth Rogen. Who is it? Seth, Seth Godin. There we go. Seth Godin. Seth Rogen. I think those are two entirely different people. I'm not trying to act like I'm some big time author. I want people to know I did it. I want people to know why I did it. And I, I want them to understand that they can do it too. And, and, and that's the whole thing here. It's just part of my, my testimony as the AI guy that I like to, to present myself as to show how effective these tools can be. So did you like Atticus? I've heard of it. That's uh, Dave, the Kindlepreneur. The Kindlepreneur guy. guy. Yeah, he's, 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 he's one of your people. Yeah, the, the Kindlepreneur kind of guy. I liked it. it. It served its purpose. I had written a book before. I wrote a podcasting book about five years ago, and I used Scrivener for that particular book. And I know Scrivener's come a long ways since then. I mean, it's, it's been five years. It's probably not even recognizable anymore, but it's a much more sophisticated tool than Atticus. Atticus, pretty straightforward, pretty simple, man. It's powerful too. I mean, you can add images and do formatting and all that, but I, for the price, I think it was a buck 50 for a lifetime use of the tool. So for 150 bucks, I can write all the books I want and it, it definitely, it works really well. So I, I was happy with it. I, it could be a little bit more robust, but overall, I think it's great for what it does. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. So when you're writing a book using AI, what kind of prompt, can you give an example of a prompt that you would put, like what, write a chapter about, and then like it gives you whatever it gives you, and then you would just go back, read through, and then make edits to incorporate your own stories and things like that? Yeah, 100%. Now, when I started write, uh, writing this book, the prompt was something along the lines of, and I can actually pull it up, but the prompt was something along the lines of, I'm writing a book on uh, personal branding. And the metaphor that I want to use is the red hat and how a red hat relates to personal branding and how we need to find our own red hat and from a personal branding perspective. So I'm looking to write 12 chapters. Please write an outline for 12 chapters for this book. And I just made that prompt up off the top of my head, but that's something similar to what you would use. And mm -hmm. Chad GPT is going to turn and it's going to give you an outline for the book. And from that outline, you just continue to build. And this is something that I teach a lot of my AI clients that are learning how to use ChatGPT called compound prompting. Mm. So we'll take that initial prompt, get a rough outline. You know, it's kind of like sketching. It's literally like sketching. So if, if, you're, if you're an artist and you draw, you tend to start off with a very rough sketch. You get the framework of whatever your subject matter is, and you build up out the angles and the perspectives with some horizontal lines and some vertical lines just to kind of get some ideas of where we're going. And then you start to flush it out. You start to draw if we're doing like a, a lifestyle drawing. You know, you draw the person's head, you draw the body, you draw the arms and the legs, and you refine that over time with different layers of that drawing. And it's the same thing with Chad GPT. You start off with a very, very high level, very rough prompt just to get a rough outline of what you're doing. Then you look at that 
and now we start to build on those layers. So you can take some of the chapters that you, maybe you don't like all the names of the chapters that it gave you in that outline. So you go back. If you don't like the name of chapter six, give me five more options for the title of chapter six. But I love the theme. So stick with the theme of chapter six, but give me alternate titles. And once you build that out by going back and forth and building on the prompts that you used, eventually you're going to rough out a nice outline for your book. You're going to have all of your chapters laid out. You're going to have all of the primary content laid out. Now, once you have the titles, we would go back in. I love all the titles. I'll start building out some concepts for each chapter. What are some bullet points that I could reference? And I'm asking Chad GPT this. What I'm literally typing this. What are some bullet points that I would want to reference for a chapter titled this? And it's going to give you some bullet points. Now you go back. Now you've got some concepts for each of your chapters. Then you go back and you take each of those bullet points. Now write three paragraphs in reference to, boom, whatever that bullet mm -hmm. point was. Boom. Get three paragraphs. Read through the paragraphs. You may like them. You may not like them. Change paragraph two to be more emphasis on this. There you go. And you just literally go back and forth and you just flush it out. And eventually you'll get to where you have all of your chapters written and you'll be able to take those, put them into a Google Doc, and you go through and you refine each one of those chapters, make your own changes. You know, Chad GPT, it has some dialogue that's very recognizable. And it's funny to see because Different users that I talk to, ChatGPT gets stuck on certain words and phrases for different users. My personal version of ChatGPT loves to use the word delve. So mm. we're going to delve into how to use your Red Hat. I'm like, I, I would never say yeah. delve. So uh, don't, don't, don't do that. So, <laughs> and then my, my ChatGPT also likes to use what they're called M dashes. And now I thought these were hyphens, but it's an E M D A S H, M dash which I learned from Sarah. She, she, she corrected me when I was calling them hyphens because I was so frustrated. But it's like when you, 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 make a, you say a sentence or you write a sentence and then you want to emphasize another point and then finish the sentence. Well, there's a dash that comes in there to really emphasize that point mm. and then finish the sentence, I guess, after a comma. And those are called M dashes. And my version of ChatGPT loves to use them and I loathe, I hate them. I don't want to see, I don't want to see them. Stop it, stop. So, and I couldn't get it to stop using them, but I kept saying, stop using hyphens and they're not hyphens, they're M dashes. So I had to learn that. Uh -huh. And once I went back in and told Chad GPT, don't use an M dash, they disappeared. So it's just using those types of things and structuring the book. And you're going to learn a little something along the way. Cause again, that just reemphasizes the fact that I'm not an author, right? I mean, I'm not a writer. I'm an author. I've got a published book. My name's mm -hmm. on the cover. I'm an author, but I'm not technically a writer. So those are the kind of things that I struggled with a little bit, but it streamlined the process. And again, it's just compound prompting, build on each one of those prompts, take the content that it gives you, pull it off of chat GPT, paste it into a Google doc and work with it from there. So with that, yeah, I mean, in a day and a half or so, you can really have a, a fully fleshed out book. Oh, wow. I love that. Thanks for breaking that down. That definitely helped me understand better kind of the process of how you would do it. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about branding, AI. Kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on is podcasting. Okay. That's your other area of expertise. So how would you incorporate? Well, first of all, I believe just like you that podcasting is important for business owners, but why is that? And then also how to incorporate your personal brand with your podcast? Yeah, that's, those are those both great questions. Podcasting is absolutely critical. 
especially today, because it's an opportunity for you to establish yourself as an expert in your space, regardless of what that space is. It, it doesn't matter. There's podcasts literally on every subject out there. So if you're a business owner and you're looking to establish, if nothing else, just some street cred, just some, some, some credibility of you and your expertise in your market. It also allows you to find customers that you typically wouldn't find any other way. The public is very, very, takes a lot of confidence in the recommendations that they get from podcast hosts these days. I don't remember what the exact figure is, but I think out of the survey, like 67% of podcast listeners trust the host's recommendations on brands and products. So with that level of trust in your listener base, I mean, you have the opportunity to create a relationship with someone that you just wouldn't have any other way. You get that credibility factor. You get that additional exposure factor. And we live in a creator economy now. We live in the time of we're just all fighting for attention. And you need to leverage every platform that you can to get that attention. Uh, I think Gary Vee says it best when he talks about we are in the business of day trading attention. That's what we're doing. We're creating in an effort to get attention. And traditional media doesn't necessarily work quite as well as it did. TV is essentially dead. Radio's dying, if not already dead. We just saw Odyssey. They just filed for bankruptcy there as well because they're basically CBS radio. So traditional outlets of, of media, they're a thing of the past. I mean, it's like classic rock, right? So <laughs> there's a little callback for you. <laughs> so we have to take advantage of all these opportunities we have to get our brand out there. And a podcast is one of the best ways to do it. People are consuming content and creator content more so than they ever have. And it's just an opportunity, once again, for you to get out there and get in front of some eyes and get into the ears of some new people. Yeah, I think podcasting has been, well, it's funny because I got into it, I wouldn't say on accident, it was obviously on purpose, but it wasn't supposed to be a long-term play that it was, because it was just supposed to, because I was writing the book, Frugalpreneur, it was supposed to help kind of promote the book, but then the podcast kind of became it. But yeah, I just love, I just love it so much. Well, I appreciate your time today. We've talked, I think we've talked about so many different things, all your areas of expertise and um, looking forward to seeing you at PodFest and oh wow, it's less than two weeks away. Yeah, it's quick. We're going to be there. Uh, man, it's coming on fast and I don't know that we'll be ready in time, but we're working on it. <laughs> Are you bringing copies of your book, I would imagine? Uh, of course, yes. You'll yeah. be able to find me there at PodFest. I'm sponsoring two tracks. Red Hat oh. Media will be sponsoring the AI track and one other, I'm not sure what the other track is off the top of my head. But I did get two tracks there. So I'll be running the AI track. I'll have a booth there with my co-host and business partner, Sarah Losi. So we will have our branded booth. Our booth is, is branded with our podcast. Our podcast is also called Branded. I'll also be speaking the session that I'm talking about, once again, how to write your book in a week using AI. And what else? Oh, I'll be at the author's table. There you go. So we do have an author's table there at PodFest as well, where if you have a book, you can show your book to the folks and, and give copies away. So I'll be there as well. I'll be sure to get this episode out probably a couple days before PodFest. So that, cool. yeah. So if you're in Orlando or can get to Orlando, you know, I recommend checking out PodFest. It's yeah, the 10th, come on out, man. The 10th year anniversary. So I'm excited. Awesome. Well, and the best place for people to find you is just LarryRoberts.com. That is correct. LarryRoberts.com. It's the home of all things Red Hat. And you can get your copy of the book there as yes, well. Yes, you can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. I know we tried to do this several times. I'm very happy that we managed to get it done today. So yeah, thanks, me Sarah. too. 
Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.